listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. Um, today is a special day, and today is going to be a unique day. And it's going to be, um, there's going to be times, let me go ahead and give you a, display, a disclaimer. There's going to be times that, that I say things throughout this morning that, that, that you're going to push back against. It's going to be one of those kind of Sundays, okay? Um, because like what we're teaching on, what God has put on my heart today for us to talk about, it kind of goes against, I think, some, some, some things that are bred in our culture about our faith. And so I'm just going to go ahead and acknowledge that. But the reality is, I think God wants to teach us something today that really has the, the potential to radically change your life if you'll let it. Are you ready for that to happen? Come on. I like it. If, if today is your, is your, is your first Sunday, uh, my name is Matt. I get to be one of the pastors here at Vintage. And you, I need to set the context of this message for you. So if you've been here, you've been, you've been hearing this for a while. But we came out of a series called Toxic where we made a decision that we were no longer going to let emotion run our lives. We, we made a decision, like we're not going to let emotion run us anymore because the reality is when anything other than God runs us, it will always lead to our ruin. When anything other than God is running our lives, the destination is ruin. Destination is always the the destination is always destruction if anything other than God is in charge of our lives. And I know there are people in this room, and you're still exploring God and that kind of stuff. And you're thinking, well, that's not true, Matt, because my life is pretty good. I'm telling you, it is not as good as it could be with God. It's just not. Um, and, and if you let anything other than God run your life, it will eventually lead to your ruin. And we've all had moments in our lives when we were run by something other than God. We, we have had times when we have been run by lust, when we have been run by anger, when we have been run by depression, when we have been run by bitterness. And if, that, if that's not on your list, there's something else where you've been run by greed or you've been run, you've, something else has been running your life and it will eventually lead to your ruin. And the awesome thing about our God is he's given us a powerful alternative that we do not have to be run by all these things that lead to our ruin. We have an alternative, and that's that we can be ruled by the Spirit. Like we can get to a position where the Holy Spirit of God is in charge of our lives. And only in that place can you ever experience the life God intended you to have, is when you're ruled by the Spirit. And the cool thing about our God is he's made everything possible for us to experience that type of alternative. He's made it possible for us to be ruled by the Spirit. And, and l- let me just backtrack with you. See, the reality is you were created by God for his glory and for his pleasure. Every single human life created by God. You have a creator who loves you, who puts you on this planet. I, again, I don't care what your mama says. You are not an accident. You are on purpose. God has a plan for your life, and God wants to live in relationship with you. But the problem is you have this thing called sin that stands in the way of you and that relationship that God has for you. Sin is the obstacle to the intimacy that God wants with you. And you could not do anything about it. 
You couldn't be good enough. You couldn't, you couldn't do enough good deeds. You couldn't be generous or char charitable enough. Like there's nothing you could do for your sin. And so what he decided to do is take on skin with himself, become a human on this planet, go to a cross and die so that you could have life in the form of a man named Jesus. And in that moment when Jesus died on the cross, he did everything necessary to deal with your sin so that it could be removed and so that you could have that relationship with God. You follow me? You track me? Say amen. Like, I'm sorry, those y'all people too saved. I know this might seem boring to you, but that's powerful what I just said. Come on. Like, that should never get old, believer. The reality that Jesus did everything necessary for you to have a right relationship with God, it should not take, I shouldn't have to beg you to say amen to that. Come on. Jesus has dealt with your sin, and he's removed it, and now you get to have relationship with God. But that's not all. Now that he's got that sin out of the way, He's made room in your heart for him to take up residence. And that's what it means to be ruled by the Spirit. It's for the Spirit to now take his rightful place in the throne room of your heart where sin used to be. And for him to be the driving source in your life. And that's the whole point of this series. Is what does it look like when we move to a position of life where we're actually ruled by the Spirit of God? And this is what I've, what I've been given to you. If, if the Spirit is your source then scripture sets the standard. He is your supply and life is the substance. That whatever is the source will set the standard. And if the spirit is your source, then scripture sets the standard. And that's important for us to know. And we dove really deep into that last Sunday. Because the reality is scripture is the standard and the spirit will never lead you outside the framework of scripture standard. Like if you want to know, all right, is this the Holy Spirit or is this heartburn? Is this the Holy Spirit or I just have a weird feeling? You always lay it against what God's Word says. Because the Spirit will never lead you outside the framework of Scripture standard. And if you want to know if it's the Spirit, you have to know God's Word. Because Scripture sets the standard. And last week we kind of talked about what that standard looks like. Because His standard is set. His standard is set. What God wants for and from his people is very clear in God's word. Like he, he didn't make it vague. And, and, and the simplest way for me to put that is the standard is Jesus. If you ever know, right, what does God want from my life? What does God want my life to look like? God wants your life to look like the life of Jesus. When God sent Jesus to this planet, he didn't come to just die for us. He came to show us how to live. In, in, in Jesus, God looked at humanity and said, that's how you do it. So, like, if you want to know, it, once, once Jesus saves you, and once you've had that sin removed, and God begins to transform your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, what is he trying to transform you to look like? Jesus. This is church. Every answer is Jesus. But that's just the reality. Are you with me? Say amen. Am I making sense? Like, that's your new target. So, if you're a believer... If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, what God wants to do is begin to work in your life in such a powerful way that every day your life looks a little bit more like the life of Jesus than it did the day before. That's your target. That's what God wants for you. He has set that standard for you. And I know some of, some of us, like that's, that's really uncomfortable for us to even think about. Because when we look at our life versus the life of Jesus, we think, man, we have really missed the mark. Come on. Like sometimes I've looked at my life and like I am the opposite of Jesus. Whatever the opposite of Jesus has been, that is me. Anybody ever been there? Amen. Everybody in church said amen, said amen right there, liars. 
Because, and, and here's the reality. We all, we've all had the B.C. years before Christ. Anybody got B.C. years? Yeah, if we saw your B.C. years, like you wouldn't, we wouldn't be so judgmental of each other, would we? Like we've all had those moments before Christ, but now, but now that Christ has set up residence in our lives, and now that we've allowed that sin to be dealt with, and if the Spirit has taken up root in your heart, things are going to start changing. And now don't get it twisted up. You don't change to come to Jesus, but when you, once you come to Jesus, things will begin to change. And you know what really frustrates me? I hear, I hear people say this all the time. It, people, I hear people don't change. That goes against the very essence of the gospel. You realize that, right? Or I hear people say like this, well, I'm a grown man, I'm 55 years old, been this way my whole life, gonna be this way till the day I die. That goes against the pure nature of what Jesus came to do. And I think maybe that's, that's what's wrong with our culture is, is not that, that you, you, you don't believe in God, is that you don't understand what God can do in you. Like, like you're underestimating who he is in you. And maybe that's why it's so important that we do kids' ministry and student ministry well because we can get to, ki- get, the sooner you can come to Jesus, the better. The less history that you're working against because you don't believe that God can really change you. You're convinced that you've been this way for so long and you've had these same struggles and you fought these same battles and these same things have gotten you time and time again that everything I'm going to say to you today is going to feel impossible to you because you're working against so much history. But stop underestimating my God. Because what he can and wants to do in you is more powerful than you can imagine. And if you don't come to that place and and really believe and understand the standard that he has set and the supply that he's given to make it possible, then this is going to be a really, really hard sermon for you. But the reality is he has set this standard for us that once we come to him, there are things that he wants to do in us to change us into who he created us to be. And sin continues to be the problem that will pull us away from the standard he wants for us. And so when I read scripture and I see this life that God desires for me, it makes me uncomfortable because it seems, it seems impossible based on my history. There are some passages of scripture that I'm about to read to you that we're going to have to wrestle with, okay? That, are gonna, that, that maybe are going to wreck some people's theology in the room, or at least your doctrine, or, or, or whatever you've always believed. But once, now that you are in Christ, what God says is possible in your life is far greater than most of us are living. Because I see Jesus say things like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Anybody just want to go on to verse 49 and skip over verse 48? See, it's verses like this where, where God's saying, all right, now, now that you're in me and I'm in you and all that's going to be happening in your life, what I've now made possible, you, you need to start trying to wrap your mind around. You need to start dealing with the fact that God has called you 
to live and love like Jesus, that God has called you to live holy. I'm gonna let the awkward silence marinate for just a second. That, that's what that, let me, First Peter. First Peter chapter one, verse 13. And now, if, if anybody can write about holiness and we can re- relate, it's Peter. Because he had one of the most famous blunders in all of scripture. And he writes this in First Peter chapter one, verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. Like, like now, that, now that God is moving in your life and now that he has, he has stirred something in you, now that you've experienced this salvation, fix your focus on him. And when you fix your focus on him, this will be the result. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You see what Peter's saying? Like, like the things that you used to do when you didn't know any better, when you were outside of Jesus, now that you are inside of Jesus, now that you've experienced all that God is beginning to do in your life, it's time to start, it's time to stop conforming and letting those old ways of temptation and sin continue to get the best of you. You with me? Say amen. amen. Verse 15. But just As he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Anybody else a little bit wrecked by these scriptures? Because I look at myself and like God, like like, holiness is not, not something that I really associate with myself. I lean more on the evil side. But here, all throughout the New Testament, we see God saying to us through his scripture, all right, something has changed in you. And the result of that change should look different than the life that existed before that change occurred. Then we read verses like this. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. It says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Now, I think, I think I'm right here when I read this passage. So I think when we read that passage, when we, lead, when we read that, those last few words in that verse that after that period and we pick up in him is no sin our initial inclination is to think like he's talking about that that Jesus is sinless which was true Jesus was perfect sinless but I think what he is saying to us that he has appeared to take away our sins and now that we're we are in him us in him means there is no more sin that now that we are in him And because of what he's done, sin has been dealt with and removed. And we can get to the place, and we need to get to the place, where we don't continue to fall victim to it in every single moment of our lives. That sin has truly lost its hold on us. And it's time we started allowing him to do in us what needs to be done so we don't continue in it. I'm messing with somebody, and I like it. 
Verse 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared, here we go, was to destroy the devil's work. The reason why Jesus showed up was to destroy sin and everything that came with it. No one, now, here we go. You ready to be wrecked and wrestle with this? Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Sometimes I think preachers, we just talk too much. We just stand up here and read the Bible and give invitation and go home. Read that verse again. No one who has been born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. See, I read verses like this and it wrecks me. Because the more and more I read the New Testament and the more and more I read everything that it says is that in Christ, we not only have forgiveness of sin, we have freedom from sin. But yet, we still struggle with it constantly. Come on. Like God has called us to this place and God's saying the work that I have done in you is enough to not only just to forgive you of your sin, but to give you the power to live victorious over it. That you don't have to keep allowing sin to get in your life and ruin you because that's what sin does. It's what it's always done is it wrecks lives. It destroys the fullness that God has for you. And what God is saying throughout all his scripture is you need to get to this point where you allow my power in you to be enough to give you all you need to live victorious over those sins so that they don't have to keep ruining your life. See, you can argue this with me if you want to, but I believe that God's word says when he is our source and scripture is our standard, he is supply sufficient enough for us to rise above our sin. That we don't have to keep falling victim to it. Not because of who we are and not because we're so good and not because that we are just these great human beings now, but because of who he is in us. Sin doesn't have to continue to wreak havoc in your lives. And I think we've gotten to this place where we've just gotten so comfortable with our sin that we just believe it's always going to be in my life. It's always going to be there. I sin every day. And I think God's looking at us saying, I created you for so much more. And my power in you and my supply in you could cause you to live in such a different way if you would just allow that to happen. He's trying to tell us his supply is sufficient. And let me just go I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm talking about a spiritual transformation that happens when God takes up residence in your life and begins to actually be your, support, your source and your supply and gives you everything you need to live how he's called you to live. This isn't about perfection. 
It's about victory. It's about stop allowing ourselves to be convinced that we are who we were and that what God wants to do in our lives is enough to give us everything we need to live up to the standard. Because see, if, if, if God, if this isn't possible, what I'm talking about, then God is cruel because he set a standard we will never be able to live up to. You with me? But if Jesus, and I know it seems like it seems so difficult, and there's some of us that like we're, that you're, even, you're, you're even wrestling with what I'm saying right now because you sinned on the way to church this morning. And you're just convinced that, like, that's just who you are. And it's never going to be any different. And I want to say to you, his supply is sufficient for you to live in a different way. Let me read some scripture. Again, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Is, is, could it be clearer? It says he's given us everything we need to live in a godly way. He's given us everything we need to live according to the standard he has set for us in Jesus. Are you with me, church? Say amen. He's given us everything that we need. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world because uh, the in, corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Like he said, you know what? Those things that used to bind you, those things that used to hold you back, those sins that used to stand in the way, I've made it possible for you to escape those things. I made it possible where those things don't have to keep coming back up in your life. I made it possible for you not to ride the spiritual roller coaster of just having these moments of spiritual health and then allowing sin to creep back in and then wallowing in guilt and shame once again and you just have this repeated behavior. Anybody ever been on that ride? He says, I, I made it possible that you can escape that, that pattern of living. So verse 5, for, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection, boom, that eventual target of a life of love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. See, I think sometimes we leave like Jesus didn't cleanse our sins, but just covered them up for us to continue to, to uncover them. It's like Jesus dealt with your sin, cleansed you of your sin. Like his desire is to deal with your sin, not temporarily or not partially, but completely and wholly. And that's who he is. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, all throughout the New Testament, I see God saying, my supply is sufficient for you to live up to my standard. That I've set this standard in Scripture that's going to unleash the fullness of life that I intended for you before sin wrecked it. And by sending Jesus, I've I've done everything necessary to free you from that sin so it doesn't continue to come up and stand in the way of the relationship I desire for you and keep you from living out the calling that I put on your life. Jesus, in John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, if you love me, if you want to follow me, then everything that I've been teaching you, live in that way. These last three years, I've shown you guys, this is what it looks like to live the way God called you to live. Everything from the intimacy you've seen with me and the Father to the purpose and the selfless way that I've lived. Like everything that I've shown you, like follow that way. But here's the thing, you can't do that by yourself. He said, the good news is I'm calling you to this, but I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And my Father will love them. And then check this out. And we will come to them and make our home with them. See, guys, I'm calling you to live the way that I've been living. Like I've set a new standard for your life. And the good news is this, this way that I want you to live, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and I'm going to make my home in you so that you, well, he says, we. He says, the fullness of all that is God is now taking up residence in your heart so that you have the supply sufficient enough to live in the way that I'm calling you to live. He says, we will come and we will make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, Jesus set the standard for his disciples and challenged his disciples to go set this standard for every other person they would ever encounter as they lived out their calling in his lives. And he said, I'm going to give you the supply sufficient enough for you to live above the sin that once shackled you. He says it again in John 16, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. See, if the spirit is your source, and scripture is your standard, then he is the supply for you to live the life he desires for you. And it's time we stop pretending like that's not possible. See, I think we've gotten this mindset. I hear people, and so I want to challenge you to, to stop saying some things about you. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, I'm just a sinner. And I get what you mean by that. But can I say to you, if you're in Christ, not anymore. A sinner is who you were. It is not who you are. He didn't carry that cross so you could keep carrying that label. 
He has freed you from that. And it's time to, because see, you keep calling yourself a sinner, you're going to keep acting like one. I'm preaching. I'm doing the best I can. Come on. And I get what you're saying, and I know like, like so many of you, like, like you're pushing back, and you think one of the big the problems with the church is people are holy and arrogant and that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something. I think one of the things that's crippling what God wants to do in our lives is we're still carrying labels that he died to shed. <laughs> See, here's the reality. When you're born, you're born into sin. And outside of a relationship with Jesus, sin are like chains shackling your life. And your whole life, you're carrying around the chains of sin and you're shackled by these things and they're tethered to your spirit and they're crushing you and they're weighing you down. And there's so many people, they're journeying through life with the chains of sin and you wonder why you're burdened and why you're weary because these chains are heavy, like for real. <laughs> and so many people, like you're going through life like this, and it's weighing you down. All the mistakes and blunders of your past and all the things that you've done that are outside of God's will, and it's just created more weight than you know how to carry. And the problem is there's nothing you can do about these chains but keep carrying them until you meet Jesus. And what Jesus has come and said, you know what? I've died on the cross and I've shed my blood. I've paid the penalty. And you know what's available to you now is you don't have to carry those chains anymore. And when he died on the cross and he defeated death, he, he, he removed the chains, when you accept Jesus as your Savior because of that sacrifice and because he, what he has done, like he can shed the chains that once tethered you to that old life. But what we do is we allow that to happen. And Jesus has cut our chains. But then we just have this salvation experience, but we don't want to do the things that God wants us to do to continue to grow in us and manifest himself in us and allow his power to move in us. And so what we end up doing is we get distracted and we disconnect from the word of God and we pull away from his church and all the things that are necessary for us to live in his supply and allow him to keep moving in our lives. And we come to that moment and what we decide to do is pick them back up. But can I say something to you? In Jesus, if you've accepted his sacrifice, sin is no longer a chain. It's a choice. Amen. See, sin will always be a choice. It will always be possible for you to pick these things back up and step outside of God's will if you don't do the things that he's provided to you that allow him to be your supply. And so many of us are living live this game. And we have moments. I'm not doing that again because I'll pass out. <laughs> but in Jesus, you don't sin because you have to. You sin because you choose to. Amen. And if that's not true, this is not going to be on the screen, but somebody needs to write this down. If sin 
is inescapable, then God is insufficient. If you're telling me, oh, Matt, no, like, like, that's just, like, that's just who I am, so I'm always going to be, I'm a sinner, that's my label, like, I'm all, I, I'll sin every day. What you're saying is, essentially, you're saying is, sin is inescapable. And if you're saying sin is inescapable, then what you're saying to me is God is insufficient. His supply in me is not powerful enough for me to overcome those things. And I say, you are underestimating my God. And here's the, here's the reality. Um, I've sinned since I got saved. I know it's a shocker. But it wasn't because I had to. It wasn't because I didn't have the supply necessary for me to overcome it and not get. Remember Jesus, when Scripture says, when you are tempted, you can't say God's tempted me. And you can't say you have to follow in sin. It says God will always give you a way out. You know why? Because his supply is sufficient for sin to be free from your life. John, again, 1 John chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if you sin, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And see, so many of us, there's more scripture, but I'm, can I just talk to you for a minute? The reason why this is so important to me because in 20 years of ministry, I watch people that I love and care about continue to ruin their lives by decisions they don't have to keep making. I watch people ruin relationships out of behaviors that God can free them from. I watch people experience ruin out of attitudes that God can mold into something new. I watch people continue, even after knowing and meeting Jesus, live like they're chained to something that Jesus has freed them from. I'm tired of it. The devil has no power over your life. He is a punk. And all he really has is the power of suggestion. With God's supply, you have the power to control whether or not you surrender to that suggestion. So it's time to be free. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? His supply is sufficient. If he is your source, then the standard he has set for you is for your life to look like Jesus, to your life to be free of the sin that continues to wreck and ruin your life. And you know what? He died not only for your forgiveness, but for your freedom. He died to tether, to untether you from those chains. And it's time to stop living in that way. Will you, will you make a decision today? to stop underestimating what God can do in your life. There's one more passage of scripture I want to read. Is your heads are bowed, eyes closed. This is my prayer for us as a church. It's Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit 
in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I think God wants to set some people free in this room today. I think God wants you to start seeing you the way he sees you. A child forgiven and free with all the supply necessary to live in victory over anything that the enemy may try to throw at you. God, I pray that as we worship you this morning, that, Lord, people would just feel your power stirring in them. God, on this Pentecost Sunday, the day the Spirit fell on your church and things were never the same, God, I pray that today in this moment as we worship you, that people's chains would fall off, people would be set free, that people that have been struggling with the same sin for so many years but just find freedom in who you are and stop underestimating your power in their lives meet with us as we worship you in Jesus name amen stand let's worship again thanks for listening to the vintage church podcast for more information please visit our website at vintagechurch.net